The views, information, and opinions expressed are those of the featured guests and not those of IG Wealth Management. Please note that this podcast episode contains discussions of drug abuse. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Manjeet Minhas, one of Canada's top entrepreneurs, and so excited for you to join us today. Through a wealth of women's stories, IG is carving out a space where women's voices are heard. If you're looking for insight and inspiration through powerful storytelling that will resonate with anyone looking for the answers to the questions that we as women ask ourselves, then this series is for you. Welcome. Today, we are speaking with Catherine Choi, founder of So Young a recovered drug addict that started her on a quest of personal healing. Catherine had lived a good portion of her life believing in her own deficiencies with an overwhelming sense of unworthiness. She counted this belief with the courage to think bigger, believe in her own potential and pursue a greater vision. While most entrepreneurs would hide such a turbulent past, she uses her story as a powerful lesson for her children, the mission of her business, and to inspire and empower other women. Welcome to the podcast, Catherine. Thank you. It's so nice to be here. It's so lovely to see you again. We had the pleasure of meeting uh, four years ago now. Wow, time goes by fast. It um, really does. <laughs> when you get to on Dragon's Den. And I've been following your career ever since, and I'm just so inspired by your journey and your commitment to authenticity and telling your story. Why don't you share for our listeners how uh, your story begins? So where were you born and raised? And talk to us about your childhood maybe a little bit. Yeah, to give you the background, you know, I was born in Montreal um, to uh, my parents were immigrants from Korea. My dad was um, really uh, someone who had clawed his way out of um, desperate situation in North Korea and left at the age of 17 on his own. And, you know, somehow uh, through a distant relative got um, educated and an opportunity arose for him to um be a candidate for a job at the um, National Film Board in Canada. And that's how he got mm. to Canada. And I often think about that origin story and how lucky it is that I ended up being born in Canada. Um, and my parents met there. And, you know, there was a lot of, I think, um, just a lot of trauma in our family um, origin um, that was part of my um, growing up. Uh, you know, and um, there was some drinking. My father had uh, a drinking issue and there was a lot of unresolved anger issues. And so that affected, you know, me and my sister, our family. It was a very, um, one of those family situations where my father was a very, very dominant figure in our lives, very overpowering. And, you know, as a result, my sister and I um, were quite submissive and we never really felt well I'll speak for myself I never felt um like I had a sure footing in the world from the time I was very young um and um I I won't go into the whole story because it could take a very long time but uh, basically um when I um was in university, uh, I had uh, my very first boyfriend who was kind of a bit of a rebel. And he, um, you know, introduced me to 
things that I'd never tried before. And, you know, when I got my first taste of freedom and moved out of my parents' home, uh, I had this sense that I wanted to do everything that I had not been allowed to do, right? Mm -hmm. And my, my father had been extremely strict and we weren't, even in university, not allowed to go away, had to live at home, all that stuff. And so I really was, you know, just, you know, Spreading your wings in a new way. <laughs> yes, yes. And made bad choices, right? Yeah. And um, thinking that, oh, it's just for fun. I'm just going to have all the fun that I missed out on, right? Right. And, you know, I wasn't quite aware of the level of my own sense of unhappiness. Mm. Um, but I had an experience of, um, you know, my we had turned into this, um, I was rooming with my boyfriend and my roommates two roommates who were also a couple and it turned into this friday night kind of social activity where you know my boyfriend had a friend who was um essentially a junkie and um i didn't know any different and he was very happy to come over because he had somewhere that he didn't have to use in secrecy mm. and basically um it turned into a friday night where uh my first introduction to drugs was actually heroin. And I didn't even really know it at the time because they called it smack. And I was like, well, you know, I don't, you know, and it seemed harmless. And it wasn't like, you know, immediately like going into an IV. It seemed quite like safe. And basically, I had an experience where I without going into too much graphic detail, I was basically passed, you know, to do a toke. And I, I did a toke. And I remember the sensation of just like being hit with this feeling of just complete and utter peace. And I had never in my life experienced that before. And, you know, I... It was like everything went quiet and that set me down, you know, a path that lasted um, almost four years. And, you know, it just snowballed into something that got worse and worse and worse. And, you know, in the end, you know, the, the story was it was a really desperate situation where I really thought that I was never going to be able to stop using. And and I really thought that um, I was going to die an addict. Suffice it to say that. Um, at a certain point, I hit bottom, and um, I had what I can only call um, a divine experience um, in the experience of getting clean. And I had this sense of grace where, you know, now looking back, there's a lot more context that I put to it than when it actually happened. But I had the experience of having the desire to use that was so strong and something that I woke up with day after day after day for year after year after year, it was just removed from me mm -hmm. and it never returned. And when I had that experience, I knew that I was given a window of opportunity that there was a gift. It was like a gift that was given to me. I went through the process of going to like a three month treatment center and I went to 12 step meetings, but the desire to use was gone from that moment and has never returned. And I know that that's not the case for many, many people who I met along the way, who struggled and struggled for years. Right. That's how I came from Montreal to Toronto was in actual fact for a treatment of drug addiction. I ended up staying here and um, I rebuilt my life. 
you know, and, and, you know, slowly as I, you know, um, got myself a job and I got myself a place to live and I paid off all the debts and all that stuff. And I started to, to, um, become a responsible citizen again. So how did you get into the diaper bags and the lunch toads? What sparked that entrepreneurship um, idea in, in you? I'm skipping over lots of parts here. But basically, you know, I got to a place in, um, in my life uh, after I was about 10 years clean. And um, I had, um, had a job. I had gotten married. I actually had this sense that I wanted something, I wanted to create something. And one day I was sitting, you know, with my husband on a park bench, and we were, you know, my son was sleeping in the stroller in front of us. And there was a diaper bag hanging off the back of the stroller that I had just bought. And it was basically, you know, there was something about the bag that had some features that I thought were smart. And I was saying to my husband, you know, this bag is really smart, because I was always losing my keys and this and that. And I said, but if I was going to design a diaper bag, I would make it do this. And then mm. I had this light bulb moment where I was like, I'm going to design a diaper bag, right? And right. I'm like, never have, can't even draw, like nothing, <laughs> right? And and he's like, okay. And I said, no, no, you don't understand. I'm going to do this, right? And I was lit up. I just went for it. And, you know, I talked to everyone I could about this business, that idea that I had. And, you know, the one thing that I think was really helpful for me was that every person I talked to, I think my energy got them like, oh my God, well, this is such a great idea. You should talk to this person. And, and so I would, and I would follow up with every lead until eventually I got led to, um, you know, a manufacturer in China and, um, and I went through the process of getting samples made. And, you know, I had another child in the meantime. So I had two babies at home and I was doing this. So it took me four years to get my first product to market. And ultimately, that product was a total bust. But what I really never shared about this part of the story was that when I had that idea for the diaper bag, it was not so much, I mean, it was equally as much about my excitement about bringing this product to the world that I thought that the world needed, right? But mm -hmm. the other part of it was that I wasn't somebody who had ever acted on my ideas. I never felt that I could really do anything that was, you know, going to be successful, right? And a part of me was challenging myself to not listen to that voice. That constant inner critic that we yes. all have as women. It's constant. Yes. Yes. And it was very much like, I'm just going to do the next thing, you know, and, mm -hmm. and then the next thing and the next thing. And, you know, all along though, for many years, you know, even when the business got to a point where it was kind of undeniable that there was an actual business, a part of me always felt like this is a house of cards. Like there's just like, I have been so lucky up until now, but it's all just going to fall apart. Right. And um, that story really was the secret of, that I never shared with anyone. But another part of me would look back and go, you know, like you never thought that you could do this and you did. Right. And, and so it was like this sense of like, 
you know, I still have that even today. Like, oh, there are things like, oh, I'm just, I don't think, you know, but I know well enough now that that talk that, you know, is incessant isn't the truth, right? It is fear that's talking to me and that I have actually learned to um, just not allow that fear to, to rule me anymore, right? And in doing so, um, I've become a different person. Thanks for sharing. Very powerful story you have. Lots of defining moments in your life where um, you know you've been very honest with yourself, and I think that that takes time. That takes a lot of courage for you to share that story. But also, a lot of people might look at them as failures along mm-hmm. the way. I really admire your mindset to say, no, I learned that was me. I had some experiences. They don't define me. However, they are a part of my life. They are part of my journey. I have learned uh, not only about myself, but about the world around me, but also about my values, my beliefs, and what I am capable of. I really do think that um, us as women, that once we determine that anything is possible, once we believe that we're worthy of achieving it, and mm-hmm. the whole world around us changes because right. it is something um, that we all have gut, we all have intuition, and we often have those clarifying moments, but it's about whether or not we listen to them and take those opportunities in order to explore them. And I love that you've been able to do that in a way that has really been on your terms, but you have been very open and honest about um, it in recent years that, that it is part of you and it is part of my story. And so I do really appreciate that. There's a couple of things that definitely resonate with me when you say lucky to be born in Canada. I completely right. agree with you. Yeah. My parents are immigrants too. Um, and I look at cousins and other family members who are still, um, you know, across the world in third world country. Yeah. And I, yeah. I thank my lucky stars all the time. But along with that comes some definite experiences and some choices and decisions that we make uh, that, that really can um, have some advantages, but also have some disadvantages. Absolutely. You know, you you touched on something that I want to explore a little bit about limiting beliefs. Mm -hmm. That is women, we often, too often, can be our worst enemy. And Mm -hmm. we doubt ourselves, we question every single decision. And and when you're sharing um, your story, I really felt that a good portion of your life was believing in your own deficiencies. And so how do you overcome those powerful limiting beliefs because they can take over sometimes and really prevent um, anyone from taking that first step, which is often really the key to success. Right. Well, you know, I think for me, it's become a practice, right? Um, You know, I, I, I hesitate to say that I have overcome my limiting beliefs. Uh, I am just someone who's become very aware of my self-talk and that, you know, I have always, or for, you know, the the thing about the 12-step program is that it's founded on spiritual principles. And um, that always spoke to me. It it was, I think that um, the language of spirituality 
um, touched me even from before I had uh, a knowledge of what that was. Mm -hmm. And so in the process of um, my transformation and my healing, you know, a lot of that has involved um, taking up practices, right? One of them in a huge way being meditation. So like I am an avid meditator and this is something that, you know, I, I had dabbled with, you know, starting with even in when I was in doing the 12 step program, but then with my shiatsu course, that was, it was introduced, but it wasn't solidified until about mm, five or six years ago when um, the business was, it was growing. Um, but it was such an extreme burden for me uh, in terms of the financial burden. And there had been a shift in the balance of power in my relationship with my husband, because my husband had been running a digital marketing agency and he was the breadwinner of the family. And I was home with the kids and I had this business right. that I'd started and it was like a project. Right. right. And then what happened was that, you know, the business started growing and I, you know, I don't have the, I don't have an MBA. I don't have like a strategic and process minded kind of, you know, a background. And I, my brain doesn't work that way either. Right. And so I was like trying to grow this business, but without the tools. And ultimately my husband came on board because he does have, you know, he does have that mind and he did have the background. So he came on board, but suddenly the business became what was supporting our family. And right. I think, and the power dynamic in our relationship shifted as well. And so all of that just became this heavy weight on my shoulders that I was like, I, I don't think that I can do this. Like, I don't think that I can take on this burden of like providing for my family because of this sense of worthlessness, like, mm. of, you know, all of those two things were all coming to a head. And I was an anxious mess, you know, um, and, you know, when it comes to a business, I, I'm sure you're very well aware, like cash flow, all of that stuff is just, it's so real, right? And mm -hmm. um, I, I was learning all of that at the same time. And ultimately very unhappy, right? So I made this commitment and that I was very, very serious about that in, I think it was in 2016 is when I decided that um, no matter what, I was going to put myself first. And so that's when I started up, back up my meditation practice in a very serious way. And um, along the way, I kind of shifted different types of meditation practices until I actually found one that really worked for me. And um, since that point, it has been that the, the bedrock for me of um, what I think out of which I believe that this whole um, kind of purpose, this new purpose for my business came out of this insight that I had through my meditation, right? So it not just, it didn't just ground me, it, it actually allowed me to think bigger than what I was trying to kind of contain with my business, like I was really in survival mode. And in my meditation, what I was able to do was um, think 
in a way that was like, how do I want to feel? Right. And the way that I want to feel, and I think the way that everyone wants to feel is they want to feel free, right? Like they want to feel happy and joyous and they want to feel secure and like abundance, right? Those are the feelings that we all want, right? And we think that we're going to get it by like, I need to hit X dollars in my revenue and this and that. But what I realized was that when you're in a state of meditation, you can create those feelings without any external circumstances changing. Yeah, it, it you know, it's a good point. I, I Every time I sit on a plane, I always think about when they say, put your oxygen mask on first before you help those around you. Um, right. And I think that as women, but as an entrepreneur, I can speak for myself. And, uh, and in general, I think so many of us don't worry about ourselves first and taking care of ourselves, that idea of self-care yeah. um, and, and don't think about putting our own oxygen mask on first because there's so many things to do. There's so yeah. many goals to reach. There's, there's yeah. so many yardsticks that we're measuring yeah. ourselves by, but not None of those are about how we are feeling, how we are taking care of ourselves, how we are sleeping, how we right. are mentally handling everything around us, including the stress. Right. But, the, the, but the point being is that we can often, too often tell ourselves that I am not enough, that I am, you know, needy, I'm, uh, and, and really talk negatively to ourselves. And over the years, yeah. I yeah. am always telling young women, especially, that how do you build confidence takes time and you have to find out what works for you. But what works for me normally is cultivating that inner champion, actually, you know, applauding yourself. Mm-hmm because you can't wait for others to do it for you. And that telling right. yourself that right. you're valuable, you're enough, that you can take this time. And I like that more and more that women are talking about that, that they're talking about that they're capable, that they need to be seen. And, and they are worthy of being the breadwinner. And it's okay if those roles shift within a household because everybody can have their time, but it's about supporting each other as to reaching a goal together as a family often but also understanding that that doesn't make anybody else less worthy if those um, financial roles switch within a household. To, to answer your question in terms of, you know, overcoming limiting beliefs, it really is about, for me, now being just aware of what am I thinking? And right. when I realize like, oh, this is what I'm thinking, there's a separation now that I didn't used to have. Like it used to be that I am thinking mm. these things, but in actual fact, you know, what my practice of meditation has shown me is that actually these are thoughts and I can choose to engage with these thoughts or I can choose a different sense of a belief and tap into this sense of actually who I am is really I'm free and I am abundant and I am all these things that I know that I can cultivate. And it's a choice of actually allowing that to be like, am I going to be guided by my fear or am I going to be guided by something higher? Mm. Right. I completely agree. In listening to your story, I can't help but think that how many of our listeners that are connecting with the struggles that you faced 
and and probably have um, you know dealt with their own um, similar struggles in a lot of different ways. Deal with the challenge of imposter syndrome, um, mm-hmm. which we talk about a fair bit, which is you know doubting your abilities and feeling like a fraud. Um, right. Especially we see it manifest disproportionately with high achieving women, and and they find it difficult many women to accept their accomplishments. And many of them even question whether or not they're deserving of their success. And so you've mentioned in your recounts those feelings often of unworthiness. Mm -hmm. So why do you think that you felt that way? And how do you overcome that? And, And what would you tell our listeners as to how they could deal with imposter syndrome in their life? Right. Well, it's interesting, right? Like I, I haven't met a single person who doesn't have imposter syndrome, right? <laughs> and well, okay, I might, I might preface that with maybe some people will not admit that they feel imposter syndrome or right. that they are not in touch with the fact that they feel like an imposter. And so there's that. But right. for the most part, <laughs> I would say that most people do feel that. And what I find really mm-hmm. interesting is that... Um, when you talk about it with people, they can relate and and then it goes away, right? Because it like you drop your masks and then you realize, oh, we're all the same. And so right. ultimately being an imposter, it it really um I think is it's it's like a false measure of um how you measure up you know, and what really matters, Mm -hmm. right? And so I think so much goes away when um, you don't focus on the external things, you know, and and you're not, you're not caught up in that. Agreed. And your definition of success, I, I completely agree. Your definition of success for a lot of entrepreneurs and women, when you're starting out and defining it loosely, or, or I'm one that likes to write everything down and, and put pen to paper, but your definition of success is usually external, is usually what others tell you it is uh, to be successful, such as, like you say, X dollars in revenue, rankings, you know, titles, et cetera, et cetera, the house, the cars, the, you know, bags and the, et cetera especially as women, it's, it's all external. And so I agree that it's hard, but once you actually take it, uh, um, and, and think about it, what makes you personally successful and what life are you trying to live? You stop measuring yourself by other people's yardsticks that you define success for yourself. You allow yourself, you know, to be a bit more vulnerable and, and, and really define it for yourself. And that is so empowering in it, in it, in its, in its own way, um, because suddenly uh, the power dynamic shifts. And, you know, I know growing up, um, I'm, my mom used to be the one that always used to say, what what will other people think? I think it's a very right. Indian thing. Um, yeah. And I mean, my brother used to go, oh my God, who cares, mom? And, right. she, and, and it's one of those things that to her, a lot of it was external um, right. as to, right. you know, whether we were successful as children, right. as, you yeah. know, a family etc. And of course, you know, that changes over time. Um, but I was determined not to define that way of success for me because I was so anti hearing it all my life from my mom. Um, and, and I think that it can, it can be one of those motivating factors, but also it can be the opposite. It can be very limiting in a lot of ways too. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with wanting. I mean, I certainly am. I'm not saying that, you know, um, 
if there's anything wrong with wanting to to achieve, um, you know, have a seven figure business or bigger, right? right? Like, Absolutely. I think those are all great. But to actually um, tie your worth to that, uh, that's, a, that's mm-hmm. a whole other thing, right? And I think when we when we think about feeling like an imposter, um, it's because we're tying our worth to things that are like that. And like, you right. know, in the end, um, I certainly, you know, want my an abundant life myself. And I, I, you know, want a business that is thriving and, and all of that, but it's not who I am, right? And who I am isn't yeah. something that I can't be an imposter of myself. Because, you know, a lot of women in particular, when shown the evidence of their success, they say and they dismiss it as good luck or they suggested that they deceived others into believing they were competent. And I find that interesting because a lot of those things, they, they're built into our subconscious and we truly believe that, but I am becoming better and, and outspokenly telling those around me, no, you did this good job. It was done by a team, but, um, but it is based on your talents and skills and your vision that, yeah, luck sometimes is involved in timing and, you know, things coming together. But it, it is something that I think that um, more and more um, women should take that success and they should say, right. yes, it is mine. It is mine. And um, I, I've achieved this. Um, yeah. I know definitely in my just over two decades of being an entrepreneur, I have been horrible at celebrating those successes right. and patting myself on the back. I'm trying to get better, but it's, it's something something that is ingrained in you that you just keep moving forward, which is a good thing sometimes, keeps you going. But it is nice to be able to step back and say, okay, like I did this. Um, So talking about that, I wanted to talk about confidence. And there's been studies that find that men overestimate their abilities and performance, and while women underestimate both of those things. (laughs) And so in actuality, performance doesn't differ in quality or quantity between men or women normally. And so was lack of confidence something that you've experienced in your journey um, and in your career? Yes, of course. (laughs) I mean, I would say lack of confidence is, um, you know, one of the, I guess, pillars of my, my, uh, (laughs) my inadequacy, right? Like, it's just, it's, it's almost like one of my best friends, right? However, my focus has really shifted from what can I offer? What can I give? How can I be of service? Right. And when, when you're, when your shift focus, your focus shifts to that kind of perspective, then it's less important about how do I appear? Right. And, um, and so, you know, if I appear unconfident, then so be it. Right. Um, and if I feel unconfident, it's not, you know, it is, again, one of those things where there's some kind of self-talk happening, right? And and it's right. about just checking in with that and being, like, observant of, well, you know, I'm feeling vulnerable right now for some reason, right? But that's not mm-hmm. the truth, and um, and that's not me. 
right? So, right. so I think that that's really one of the most powerful tools that I use like every day, all the time. And so you are a mom of three kids. I am. Um, and, and your wife and you're a successful entrepreneur. So talk to me about how you, especially now, have, um, you know, kind of managed all of those um, different times in your life. And you know, do you believe in harmony and integration or do you separate those two worlds? Or, or how do you um, manage work and life? Well, I mean, you know, uh, certainly there have been many, many uh, ups and downs when it comes to the fact that, you know, I basically, my business really started to gain some traction um, about a month before I had my third child. So basically, I went, uh, I didn't take a mat leave for my third child. And I worked from home, you know, um, but you know, we had a nanny. And um, basically, um, I think my kids have never not known me to have a business, Mm. right. And so it has been part of the landscape of their childhood. And, you know, I can't say that I don't have regrets. I definitely have regrets. I have guilt. um, Because, uh, I feel like there have been big gaps in my um, kids' lives where I'm like, I don't remember that period, right? B- especially that time when I was really stressed out and and I, I, all I could think about was the business. Um, and so, you know, I think that it's really hard. There, like that word balance, very, very difficult. That's why I didn't use it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think there is a sense that, I think my kids know that there's something special about the fact that, that, you know, I have a lunch bag business, right? Like that they know Mm -hmm. that like that, that it's not typical. Right. Um, And there's a sense of pride. um, And, you know, I think there is that sense also of um, um, like hard work. Right. So I, those, those disciplines, I think have been um, passed on to a degree that I can see, you know, my kids have a very strong work ethic for school. um, And, you know, they have this sense of self-sufficiency that I didn't have. Right. So it makes me really happy. I, I can't say that I'm not, I don't know if it's because of the business or whatever it is, but there have been times where, you know, I, I was worried that I didn't do enough, right? I wasn't there enough. I wasn't, yeah, I didn't go to the school outings like the other parents and that kind of stuff. And, you know, um, makes, it has made me feel like maybe I made the wrong choices, but then sometimes I think, no, I think that, I think it's going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah, And I think that they also understand the ups and downs of life and whatever life brings to them too. That nobody's um, journey, no matter um, who they are and what career they're in or what business that they own is a straight line that there's always bumps along the way that it it really um, makes you full of character and have a story. But in a lot of ways, I've always truly believed that I need to be at where and doing what makes me happy. Exactly. Um, And that brings 
brings a better mom at home and a better CEO at the office. Right. And whether sometimes there's just not enough hours in the day and yeah. God bless, you know, devices and constant communication yeah. to still be there if you can yeah. not be at the recital or the game or the birthday and or the flip side, the meeting and the, the uh, you know, the, the work um, uh, functions, events, et cetera, that you want to be at too, right. those decision-making tables right. too. So I think that um, unfortunately all of us would love to have more hours in the day, but in the end of the day, I always go to bed at night thinking, okay, I, I'm, I'm, a, believer, I'm a believer in not having regret because I um, am blessed to be an entrepreneur that can choose in a lot of ways what I do every day, but mm-hmm. really just being happy um, and putting my best foot forward in, in rediscovering um, some new challenges, helping those around me, like finding my purpose. And and understanding that it's always um, changing, but I, I I'm totally with you to to say that you never know whether or not you're influencing your family and those right. around you in positive or negative right. ways. You just hope that you're being open and honest, and they understand that you know nobody's life is perfect. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 you teach them that they're capable as uh, that capable to do whatever they want. Right. Um, and right. and dream big. Yeah. Um, I'm always trying to yeah. say that in many different ways to my kids, but that I, I, I agree that that idea of balance is <laughs> complete bullshit. <laughs> and, and, yeah. and I don't feel often social media helps with that too. Right. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my mom used to, and, and still does, but especially when my kids were, you know, really, really tiny used to say that there's no need to be perfect to inspire others because, you know, your imperfections are what often inspire people because they can't um, reach perfection. Nobody can. Nobody is perfect. So let go of that idea of trying to have it all and do it all. It is not necessary. And and I think that um, the more we can embrace that, the better moms, wives, individuals um, we will all be. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a relief too, right? When, when mm-hmm. you know that somebody, you know, that you look up to isn't perfect. It's like, thank God, you know, that, that, that's, you know, for me, that is always the concern about like social media for my kids and people who are, right. you know, positioning themselves to have this perfect looking life. Um, it's so, so false and so dangerous, you know? Agreed. I always tell my girls and nieces, especially, you know, the boys in the family too, but especially the girls that when they see me on Dragon's Den and many of them, including my girls are there, I'm, you know, for the month that I'm filming and they see with their own eyes that there's four people constantly trying to make me look good from hair to makeup to stylist to this, to like, it just, I didn't wake up like that by any means. And it's a constant effort. Um, so what you see on, on, um, TV or social media can be taken um, with a grain of salt. And so lastly, I wanted to talk about personal well-being. So you've been on this incredible journey and you, when you were at your lowest point and completely turned everything around to become this absolutely inspirational woman that you are today, part of that journey was discovering that mental health was just as important as physical health. Yeah. So how do you ensure that you're taking time for yourself? What does it look like? Um, and, and what are the learnings um, that have worked for you that maybe our listeners can can take today? Hmm. Well, I mean, you know, one of the guiding kind of principles of my life is start small, 
right? Because that has really been how I built my business was in small steps, right? Just the next thing. So where I'm at today, um, you know, I think that I have some really, really solid practices, uh, as I've mentioned, that I have built up as I'm over the years. And so, you know, today, what it looks like is that, you know, I, on a normal week, you know, if not, if I'm not traveling, or if there's nothing, you know, else going on, I generally wake up, at 5.30 in the morning, um, I, there's meditation, there's working out, I'm kind of um, into biohacking. And so I'm into breathing exercises. Okay. And, you know, I, I love anything that's a little bit out there. So that's just, you know, my jam. But I think when it comes to um, self care, um, it really has to be anything that allows you to experience the essence of who you are, right? And mm-hmm. and to a lot of people that, um, you know, that could be, it could be exercise, um, it, it could be taking a walk in the woods, it could be meditation, whatever it is, but it is something that you build as a building block that has to be first, right? Um, right. And, you know, like 10 minutes a day is better than an hour a week. Right. So that's Mm -hmm. really how I started. I started with like, I will do something and accountability, right? Having an accountability partner or group, really, really important. Um, And it's, it's quite amazing how it changes how you feel about yourself when you're able to accomplish something over a period of time. And you look back and you go, well, you know what? I am different. I did change. I changed a little bit. Right. And that's how transformation happens. Right. There's a past version of yourself that yes. would be so proud of how far you've come today. Exactly. Um, and, and to realize that. Yeah. 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 So it's really just about building on that. And, um, you know, tracking is really, really good. That's something that I've, um, I mean, I don't, I don't track everything I do every day, but I've always kept a journal. I've always, um, I have like stacks and stacks of them. And basically, I'm able to look back and go like, wow, I'm not that person anymore, right? It's really interesting Um, because you don't feel like you're changing. Change doesn't look like the way you think it's going to look. Like you think, oh, when I'm like, you know, successful, this is how I'm going to look and this is how I'm going to feel, right? But you feel the same, but then you look Mm -hmm. back and you're like, I'm not the same, you know? So. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think that it's good to know that you can love yourself, but you can always still be, and we all are a work in progress. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Well, thank you so much for joining uh, me today, Catherine. Such a powerful story. I, 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 I got a lot of things out of our conversation today, and I know our audience did too. Um, a, a couple things that definitely are, are sticking with me is that the way you speak to yourself matters and that we're all capable of much more than we think. Um, thanks to everyone that was listening and tuning in. I encourage you to find the wealth in your own stories. And remember that the choices that we make in our lives can either hurt us or lift us up. We look forward to having you back on our next episode presented by IG Wealth Management. You can learn more by visiting ig.ca slash women and also can find that link in the description of this episode. Thanks once again. This has been a wealth of women's stories. 
hosted by Manjeet Minhas and presented by IG Wealth Management. The views, information, and opinions expressed are those of the featured guests and not those of IG Wealth Management.